celebratory this morning. I mean, Reese's eggs are by far the best Easter candy by a mile. I will fight you on that. I've already had two this morning, so thank you, Jesus. And this is what Easter is about, right? I mean, not Easter, Reese's eggs, though, you know, maybe, but celebration. Easter is about celebration. We are all happy and joy and hallelujahs everywhere. I sat with a group of pastors this week and we joked um, by wondering if Jesus would in fact rise if we didn't together sing Jesus Christ is risen today on Easter. This day is big and celebratory and it's important to us that we come and gather and do it loud and bright and right. But I want us to go back a little bit, back to that first Easter. Because it didn't start out so shiny and bright with new outfits and flowers everywhere. It started out in the fog of grief. Anyone who has ever lost someone close to them, someone they love, knows this fog. The waking up, having to remember again what had happened, how everything is different today than it was the day before. I imagine the women of this story felt this exact way. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. If you were in worship last week on Palm Sunday, we ended the telling of the Passion from Luke's Gospel with the women following the body of Jesus to the tomb, watching him be laid to rest, and then going home to prepare spices to bring back after the Sabbath. That is where we begin today. They are arriving at the tomb. Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Joanna. They are here to bring those spices they have prepared for the body of Jesus laid in that tomb. It's not an odd thing that they would be doing this. It feels maybe odd to us, but this is just a final step in the burial ritual. It's part of the way things are done, just as funerals and burials are a part of the way we do things. They had this odd day in between, the Sabbath, where they weren't supposed to make this trip to the tomb to do that work. So they waited, observed their Sabbath, and then arrived at dawn the next day, literally as early as they were allowed. They showed up ready to do what needed to be done. I like to imagine they didn't feel like they could really rest until the ritual was complete. It wasn't finished. Maybe doing this step of the ritual, this final step would help them feel like it was real. That day after a loss, it doesn't always feel real. So I imagine they needed this step even, this, for lack of a better word, this closure. But what they expect when they arrive at the tomb is not what they get. 
They arrive at the tomb, they see this stone rolled away, and they go inside the tomb, and they do not find the body of Jesus. And they are perplexed. Have you had a moment like this? I mean, not obviously just like this. If so, tell me that. I really want to hear about it. But one where you are expecting one thing and and then you hear or see another thing and it takes a moment for your brain to kind of make sense of what you are seeing and hearing. Perplexed. It's a good word for this moment. And then two men in dazzling clothes, they show up And their confusion turns to fear because, you know, an empty tomb is kind of weird, right? But two dudes standing there in glowing clothes is starting to get a little a little more than weird, right? And one of the men looks at them and says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. What a question. It's kind of a funny question, right? They're at the tomb because they saw... Jesus be buried there. Where else would they go in this moment? You don't really go to like hang out at a tomb, right? They're at the tomb because that's where Jesus is. And these holy messengers remind them, don't you remember? Jesus said this would happen. He told you this exact thing would happen. Why are you so confused right now? He is not here. He is risen, just like he said. It really happened. He is not here. He is risen. This message, this first time the good news is ever spoken out loud in the world, is to this group of women. The first ones to hear the gospel on the very first Easter are women. So this group of women, they leave the tomb. They go back to the disciples who have not had this same moment. They have not had men in dazzling robes giving them good news. The disciples are still in that fog of grief. And the women run into the room and say, He is risen. We have seen it. And instead of saying, He is risen indeed. The disciples, they don't buy it. Now, I don't want to get too into the weeds of translations and such here, but this translation is just not good. I personally find it kind of condescending. Oh, that's just idle talk. You know, those ladies just doing some lady talking. It's just girl talk. The word used here in the Greek is Leros. It is the only time in the whole entire Bible that this word is used. And it is a strong word. Idle talk does not cut it. The nice church-appropriate way to translate it would be garbage or trash. Or a better translation would be bullcrap. Or the not-church-appropriate version, which I will let you figure out, on your own. They think the ladies are telling them a load of baloney. Layros. These words seemed to them to be layros, and they did not believe. 
They did not believe. Oh, how I wish this were not the way this story went. I actually wish this were not the way many stories go. How often do passionate, faithful, intelligent women stand up and preach a word of good news and they are told what they are saying is Leros. Happens more often than you'd think, actually. Oh, how I wish the disciples had shouted, He is risen indeed, right back at those women. And they'd all had a party, and no one had to question anything. But also, I kind of get it. Resurrection is hard to believe. And it does kind of require looking for yourself. Peter got up and ran to the tomb, and stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Pastor Paul Ullman painted this exact scene for us a few Easter Sundays ago when we were last in this text from Luke. Peter left all the disciples and ran to look for himself. And he was perplexed. Sure, our translation says amazed, but the word is the same as the women. Again, kind of condescending in my opinion, but whatever. Another sermon. He was perplexed that that word again, this is where today's gospel leaves us, not with Easter joy and he is risen indeed, hallelujah, but perplexed. We lift up Peter as this rock, the rock who built the church. And that was not in spite of the women, but because the women preached the first gospel to the disciples. Because the women said, he is risen. Because of them, he went to go see it for himself. And I get it. I don't fault Peter at all here. This is what we all do. We hear about the gospel, the good news, and we kind of want to see it for ourselves, right? Wasn't it Aiden that said, I want proof? Prove it. That's like in all of us in that moment, right? Prove it. We want to see it for ourselves because this resurrection thing does not really make sense. It leaves us perplexed. This good news is perplexing. It's so out there that the people who should be the ones to believe, really, the disciples who have been hearing Jesus talk about this for three years, they don't even realize what is happening. This good news is so strange and so odd and out of the ordinary. One of my favorite pastors and professors, Anna Carter Florence, said, Easter tells us about a world that is so upside down that even the dead don't stay dead anymore. And how do you live in that world? Our reading from Corinthians that Emily read for us this morning reminded us that the final enemy to be destroyed is death. And that's what just happened. So I get it. It is kind of unbelievable. It does kind of sound like a load of Leros. But resurrection always feels that way. It leaves us overjoyed and perplexed. 
but it keeps showing up anyway. Local pastor and author Emmy Kegler says it this way. She says, resurrection will not be tamed. She says it retains its fierceness, its inability to fit pleasantly into a plastic egg and be tucked away except for an hour every year. She says the resurrection finds us without the benefit of weeks' worth of planning. The resurrection shows up in hospital rooms, in recovery centers, in prison cells, on sidewalks of streets, and in the halls of the political powers. Every day, the resurrection refuses to let death have the last word. And that brings us back to the question of the women at the tomb. Why do you look for the living among the dead? The tomb in that moment, for those women, as they arrived, it felt like death had the last word. It felt that way. That tomb, as they walked up towards it on that first Easter, they believed that death won. And then they stand there at that empty tomb and they hear the worst thing was not the last thing. You are looking in the wrong place. He is not here. He is risen. And I think we do this a lot too. We look for the living among the dead. We look at things we expect to find in tomb-like places. We look at news stories and violence and hatred, stories that make us feel angry and helpless at the same time. That's what the tomb feels like. We look for the living among the dead. We focus on the worst stories and the worst moments and the worst outcomes. We wonder why it always seems like the bad stuff is just getting win after win. Why death feels like it's getting win after win. That's what the tomb feels like. We look for the living among the dead. The many ways our lives are not as they should be. We try to celebrate today with an empty chair at the table or try to live with the reality of our depression or anxiety or addiction or illness. That is what the tomb feels like. And it's easy to just go there like the women and complete the ritual. You just come to church on Easter Sunday and get a little closure. Right? We come to church thinking knowing that death wins all the time, knowing that our life is so broken. We come to the tomb knowing that. But he is not here. He is risen. Say that with me this morning. He is not here. He is risen. You'll get another chance. This is good news. It's not news we say in monotone, mumbly voices. This is good news. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, and it was 
Resurrection is real. The worst thing is not the last thing. He is not here. He is risen. better. And resurrection, as impossible as it seems when we hear about it year after year on Easter Sunday, it is here again this morning. It is with us in all these tombs we find ourselves standing in front of today. In the fog of grief, it is there calling us out, saying, why do you keep looking for the living among the dead? He is not there. He is risen. And how can we not believe this when Jesus told us this thing would happen? This very thing would happen when it is around us all the time. Resurrection is all around us. Last week, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the leaders asked him, hey, tell your disciples to stop shouting. They're getting too wild for us. And Jesus said, even if they were quiet, the stones would shout out. The world shows us resurrection every single day. But we keep looking for it among the dead. Guess what? He is not there. He is risen. Prince of Peace, family of Christ, hear me say today, He is not there. He is risen. Turn off the news. Stop scrolling. Stop looking at the thing that is killing you. Look up. Jesus has redeemed it all. Love wins today. It always does. And it always will. Today, we gather and we dare. Once again, we dare to stand at the empty tomb and declare the impossible the impossible has happened. The good news that is given to you, each one of you on this Easter Sunday, is that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. We sing in jubilation, adoration to a joyful King. You are spinning, you are singing, Zealous love over